Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. This is Robert Lamb. And this is Joe McCormick. And it's Monday, the day of each week that we read back some messages you have sent into the show account, which is contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. If you ever want to get in touch, uh, if you want to suggest a topic for a future show, to give feedback on an episode we've already released, or even just to say hello or to share something interesting you learned, uh, it's all fair game. Absolutely. All right, I think I'm going to kick us off here with this message about our episodes on asymmetry from Nathan. Uh, I think we have two different messages from somebody named Nathan today, but I think they're different Nathans. So Nathan number one says, Dear Joe and Robert, Your recent podcast about asymmetry in nature reminded me of an observation I made about the distribution of stems and leaves that branch out of a main stem in a plant. It's well known that this branching follows an angle of the golden ratio times 360 degrees in many plants, which results in, for example, Fibonacci numbers appearing in pine cone and sunflower spirals. The golden branching angle is very easy to spot in small shrubs and in observing Observing these, I found that the direction the golden branching angle turns as the stem grows can be either clockwise or counterclockwise, 
but which direction the stem chooses cannot be predicted. I first found different branching angle directions among different plants of the same species, then noticed that both directions appear even on different branches of the same plants. There is nothing I've observed about the plants to tell me why the golden branching angle would occur either clockwise or counterclockwise, but there must be some molecular mechanism choosing for this, and I'm fascinated by what it could be. Thought you might find that interesting. Thanks for all the work you put into the episodes. I know I'm always in for a full meal of knowledge when listening to you two. Regards, Nathan. Uh, Thanks, Nathan. Yeah, that's interesting to wonder about, and it ties into uh, what we discussed in i believe the last episode of the series on asymmetry about how the um about how the handedness of a bilaterally symmetrical body or the you know the the pattern of symmetry breaking with say the internal organs in a human body might have something to do with like the the way the the cilia the little filament like uh, hairs reaching out from the cell membrane on a developing embryo work uh and it's kind of hard to imagine it like that tiny tiny mechanism on the outside of a cell making a difference uh but apparently it does very interesting very interesting all right here's another listener mail this one comes to us from chris chris says hello robert joe and seth On your recent episode of The Sky Bridge, Part 2, you were discussing how urban planning and design of high-rise living can impact social connections and overall health outcomes of the population. There was some discussion about future design for our increasing urban density and the need for green space or more connection with the natural world. This brought to mind the futuristic city imagined in the world of Shisen Lu's three-body problem. It's been a while since I have read the series, but I believe it is first described in the second book, The Dark Forest, additionally featured in the final book, Death's End. In the books, eventually all of humanity is driven underground due to catastrophic events. Then eventually they enter kind of an enlightened age and build beautiful underground cities where all the high rises resemble large trees with trunks as the central columns and then branches with leaves hanging off. Each of the leaves is then a living space for individuals and families. The books do a much better job describing the setting than I do, but when I was reading them in my mind, I couldn't help but picture a densely packed urban space that didn't feel close. I think that a space like that would be amazing for future cities with plenty of room on the quote-unquote forest floor, so to speak, for commerce, parks, sporting facilities, bike lanes, etc. Thanks again for the interesting pair of episodes. Chris from Chicago. P.S. Have tickets for the boat architecture tour in a few weeks. I'll be on the lookout for the Wrigley Building. All right. Well, that sounds great. Yeah, you won't you won't be able to miss it. That's for sure. Oh, thanks, Chris. Yeah, yeah uh, th- this is interesting, and it comes back to something uh, that we did talk about in in the Skybridge episodes, which is how to manage the the somewhat zero sum problem of if you're trying to pack more and more uh, vertical density into a city, a density of both infrastructure and and living space uh, into a city how to deal with the somewhat zero-sum access to the sky or access to sunlight, Mm -hmm. because uh, obviously it would be good to have more parks and green space up at the top levels, especially if people are going to be spending more time up there without coming down. Uh, But of course, as you need more surface area up above, you are necessarily limiting the sun's ability to reach what lies below. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when it comes to the three-body problem, um, I I did not read the second two books, but I did the first book on on audio, 
and it was it was very entertaining, especially since the narrator did kind of a voice like this for all of the alien characters. <laughs> all right, what do we have next? Do you want to take this one from Stacy? Sure. Stacy says, this is also about Skybridges. Uh, hello, Robert and Joe. First off, thank you for uh, your help in dealing with isolation. I work in customer service and have been working on telephone or email-based customer service rather than in-person since the start of the pandemic. It's gotten to the point where we are all working in separate areas of the office. Your podcasts are informative and engaging and a great way to deal with loneliness. I just listened to your podcast on Skybridges, and I couldn't help but think back to my college days in my first English short literature class. One of the stories we read was E.M. Forster's The Machine Stops. I'm surprised this story hasn't come up in some of your past podcasts, given how many times I think back to it while listening to your discussions. Granted, I haven't listened to uh, every podcast yet. I'm working on it. So if I am mistaken, I apologize. In the story, the characters become so reliant on technology in the form of a machine that sees all of their needs that they turn their backs on the natural world. Then the day comes that the machine stops. Being a work of short fiction, it isn't a long read, but I think you would enjoy it. It certainly left uh, such a mark on me that I can remember it despite reading it over 10 years ago. Hope you both have a lovely day. Stacy. Uh, I don't think I have read this story, Stacy. I what I've read by E.M. Forster is uh, a very different kind. Of, I, I read his book uh, "A Room with a View," which the main thing I remember about that it's sort of a uh, modernist romantic novel. One of the main things I remember about it is a scene where some characters are kind of frolicking in a garden in Italy, and one tumbles into a uh, a bed of flowers or something. And then someone shouts down at them from the wall above courage and love. That, that's always in my head. Yeah. I, I have not read this story either. Uh, I was just having to refresh myself with the, uh, the notable works of E.M. Forrester. And I think the only thing I've read is a passage to India. And that was a long time ago. And I think I read it really quickly for uh, a class I was taking. Mm-hmm. But I remember liking, I remember liking it at the time. Yeah. Well, I'll have to look this story up. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, as always, d- no, nobody hurt themselves trying to listen to all the podcast episodes. There's no, <laughs> there's no special award for for listening to all of them. Um, there, there is a special award for watching all of the movies we cover on Weird House Cinema, but it's but that too is not a physical reward that you hold in your hand. It's a reward that you hold in your heart. It's a reward based on courage and love. But we 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 appreciate uh, uh, the kind words. Thank you, Stacy. <laughs> All right, here's one that comes to us from Hannah. They write in regarding Weird House Cinema. Um, Hannah begins by saying some nice things about the show, but then they go on to uh, discuss a couple of different things, uh, at least one of which is not directly related to Weird House Cinema, but is interesting nonetheless. So I'm going to read the whole email first, and then we can sort of break it down. Okay. Hannah writes, I've been binging some really early episodes, so I can't remember if this is from the Cauldron series or something earlier, but you mentioned a Chinese myth about a hero who bursts in and eats the demons of despair and loneliness that are tormenting the emperor. Maybe I'm misremembering this in a way that suits my interpretation, but let's roll with it for a second. 
I just started my clinical internship as a mental health counselor. And I've thought a lot about that character because I think that's part of what we do as therapists. We help people by eating their demons of loneliness and despair when we listen to what they share in session and digest it with them. Hmm. Anyway, thanks again. I have a Weird House Cinema suggestion that I think you guys would get a huge kick out of if you haven't seen it already, The Eyes of Laura Mars. It was based on a script treatment by John Carpenter and became the first of his stories to be made by a major studio, though he did not direct it. Despite the major studio production, it is deeply and ineffably weird. It stars... Uh, Mia Farrow and a shockingly young Tommy Lee Jones involves naked photo shoots, a serial killer with mommy issues, cars on fire, big city glamour, doomed love, men in turtlenecks, psychic visions, all caps. This movie is such a mess, I almost forgot that part, and enough red herrings for a Midwest church fish fry. Basically, imagine deep red. Um, they're, they're referring okay. to the, uh, the Dario Argento film here. Yes. Now think about John Carpenter rewriting Riffing It. Sounds fun, right? Now imagine that got taken away from John Carpenter and someone tried to make it a mainstream movie, but they forgot about the script until the weekend before they started shooting and they had an intern do all the rewrites the night before. Oh, also Barbara Streisand was originally considered for the lead, but she thought the nudity and violence wasn't good for her brand, so instead of appearing in it, she just wrote the Torch song for the movie. Whether you review it on Weird House or not, please just accept this movie into your life and let it enrich you. Thanks, Hannah. Wow, that I've never seen it. That sounds great. Uh, so I guess there's two main parts to address from this message. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's keep rolling with the eyes of Laura Mars first, since since that's fresher here. Uh, but, okay. Uh, yeah, I've been eyeing this one for a bit, and it does have a terrific cast. So you got Faye Dunaway, Tommy Lee Jones, awesome. Brad Dorif, yeah, uh, Renee Abrazanwa. And Raul Julia, and oh, on top Raul of that, Julia. directed by Irvin Kirshner as well. So it's uh, there's a lot of great names involved in this film. I have not seen it yet, but uh, especially after this description, I'm uh, I'm very interested. But yeah, can you believe we haven't watched a Raul Julia film yet? Yeah, you he's, had me at Raul Julia. He's great in everything. He elevated everything he touched. We we should just do a whole like month of the show where we watch Raul Julia's four weirdest movies. Yeah, I mean he he made so many things watchable, and you know sometimes you have a you you have actors who can say that they they did that once or twice, right? Uh, I elevated a, a, an otherwise low level film, and it was memorable. But for Raul Julia, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> Street Fighter reference there for everybody. <laughs> oh yes, I think it was a Tuesday. I could be misquoting that, but it's a great scene in a great movie. <laughs> yeah. As for the demon eater, this would be Zongkui, the demon queller. Uh, we talked about this character in the episode uh, Demon Eaters and Possessed Tools. And this was, I had to look back, this was January 2019, which I guess in the grand scheme of things wasn't that long ago, but it sure feels like a long time ago because this was back when we were recording in person. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the basic story here, I'm not going to tell the whole thing because I, I, I think we gave a, a pretty good treatment of it in the episode. But basically, 8th century... Uh, the emperor has a fever one night, and he's assailed by demons dressed in red. Uh, well, a demon dressed in red, and the demon identifies itself as being emptiness and desolation. 
and the emperor's powerless to stop it. But then in comes this ghost in rags, and he just swallows the demon whole. Uh, and this is the uh, this is the ghost of our of our demon eller, a demon eater, our demon queller. And uh, yeah, he's, he is the immortal exorcist. And there are various uh, stories involving him. And there's at least one really cool uh, piece of art. I believe it's called the. Um, uh, the Gong Kai scroll from the late Song dynasty, and he's put the demons that he's quelled to work. And so they're carrying him around on a litter. They're carrying his sister around on a litter. And they're also carrying, I think, um, like a dog and possibly some packages. Uh, mm. So it's, it's really fun stuff. So if Hannah or any other listener wants to look this up, how is uh, the name of this character usually spelled in English script? Um, usually I'm seeing it as, as Z-H-O-N-G-K-U-I. There you go. That That's a good memory. Good memory, Hannah. And I guess the rest of that episode pertained to mostly Japanese traditions of yeah. tools that had been possessed. So um, uh, I, I can't remember what was the bulk of that episode, but uh, a lot of magic in that one if anyone wants to to, uh, to look it up. Well, I think a big part of it was the Japanese folk concept of the sukumogami, um, or the tool kami, that were like these spirits that would, um, I don't know, spirits that would inhabit disused tools, or maybe the tools would gain sentience or gain a soul, uh, and it had mm-hmm. something to do with tools that had been around for a long time, like a tool... Uh, that's like a hundred years old or something without being thrown away sort of comes alive. Yeah. And then they go and there's like a parade of these things. Uh, yeah. yeah. Technically a form of yokai, I think. Oh. Or at least by some classifications anyway. I've seen it discussed in yokai books before. I also seem to recall that there's a, a major story about the uh, the possessed tools that is used as as religious apologetics for a certain strain of Buddhism. Mm, okay, that sounds familiar. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. 
And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, anyway, uh, Rob, are you ready for the final message? Let's do it. The final message. The final message. Uh, This one actually comes from a different Nathan. Nathan had a lot to say about a bunch of different topics. This was a great email, but it's very long and there's no way we can read the whole thing. So I'm going to feature a few selections from it. Nathan says, greetings, gentlemen. First, during listener mail this week on uh, July 18th, 2022, the DC character, The Question, was mentioned. You probably know him better than you think, as he served as the model for Rorschach in The Watchmen. The lore goes that Alan Moore pitched his gritty tale depicting the demise of lesser-known characters uh, recently acquired by DC from the defunct Charlton comics, and he was ultimately allowed to create analogs. Most, if not all, were Steve Ditko creations, the author best known for co-creating Spider-Man and Doctor Strange for Marvel. Mm, okay. 
Blue Beetle became the Night Owl, I think Captain Atom became Dr. Manhattan, and other details elude me, but it's interesting to trace the roots of what became one of the best-selling comics of all time. I'll echo the other listener's sentiment and say Jeffrey Combs makes that character remarkable. Jeffrey Combs did the voice of this character, the question on, um, I think, the animated Justice League. Mm-hmm. Nathan says, you can find Justice League Unlimited on HBO Max, and it would be worth your time to find the episodes that focus on him, such as Season 2, Episode 6, Double Date, which is top-notch. But he makes uh, small appearances in a season-long subplot involving an actual conspiracy named for the god-slaying mortal Cadmus, and it totally pays off. A couple of years ago, I was re-watching the quoted episode, uh, and this is referring to the episode quoted in the earlier listener mail. Uh, the message was about the question having a sort of Dale Gribble-style paranoid theory about the sinister implications of aglets, which are the little plastic tips on shoelaces. <laughs> Nathan goes on, I'd heard the term before, I guess aglets, uh, and went to look it up, but wasn't sure how to spell what the question was calling the plastic tips on shoelaces. In searching for aglet, I ran across an Inuit mythical creature that might make for a good monster fact episode called an adlet. Check out here if you're not familiar, and Nathan provides a link. Also re- referring to aglets, uh, Nathan asks if we remember the Seinfeld-hosted SNL from long ago with the Jeopardy parody, where the parting gift was thousands of, quote, what do you call those things nobody knows. I do not remember this. Rob, did you see this one? I have no memory of this one. There there are old episodes of SNL that, that stand out of my mind, like Patrick Stewart hosting with, with special musical guest Salt and Peppa, but uh, <laughs> I don't remember Seinfeld. All right, after this, Nathan makes some good suggestions for core episode topics on things like space exploration and the biological evolution of sentience. Uh, but then to, to come toward the end of Nathan's message, Nathan uh, says, Next, Weird House. It's been a while, but I still laugh about Bloodbeat often, as I happen <laughs> to reside near a fire station. At the end of the scene in Bloodbeat, where the first body was discovered, I noticed the sheriff turned on the sirens as he was leaving the crime scene. What's the rush? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Sometimes you're a sheriff, you just gotta you just gotta get to lunch. I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad to hear from someone else who saw Bloodbeat. It's, it's, it's worth, worth checking out. There aren't, there aren't too many Christmas psychic slasher films with uh, animate samurai armor in them, but this is, this is the one. Okay, Nathan goes on with more recommendations, such as Brain Scan, underrated mm-hmm. Edward Furlong flick that had a big impact on me and my buddies when it was new. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all smart speakers should be named Igor. Haven't seen it, so I don't know what that refers to. Another one, Nathan says, have you guys mentioned Oblivion? I feel like I remember someone saying, not the Tom Cruise one, but it didn't turn (laughs) up when I searched the feed. It's from 1994, and the credits are unbelievable. Only Charles Band could bring together Catwoman, Lurch, The Djinn, and Mr. Sulu, among others, on what looks like a set borrowed from Sliders. Rob, I looked up the Oblivion cast. Okay, first of all, the plot summary on IMDb goes like this. On another planet, which resembles the Old West, a diehard pacifist is forced to re-examine his ways after an evil alien bandit and his gang murder his estranged sheriff father, take over his hometown, and threaten his friends. Planet Westworld, a man comes to embrace the way of violence. 
<laughs> oh, and uh, looking at the the cast list, it it, it is divine. So uh, Nathan mentioned the Gin. I think that would be a reference to Andrew Divoff. Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then he also says Catwoman. I believe that's the fact that Julie Newmar is in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. He says Lurch. I think that's uh, Carol. I'm not sure how to say his name. Carol Stroykin, something like that. Uh, he's in there. Mr. Sulu, of course. George Takei is in the movie. But it also has Meg Foster and Isaac Hayes. What an mm-hmm. what an assemblage. Yeah, yeah. I love Meg Foster, and I've I've looked around for reasons to to, to watch a Meg Foster movie. There are a few sort of I've been, that I've been eyeing, but uh, yeah, she she always was a, was a was a fun screen presence for sure. And this movie, uh, at least the first Oblivion film, I have seen this, but I watched it with some friends. And it was the Rift Tracks version of it. Mm-hmm. So I remember it being, you know, funny, but also that's a very, you got like two layers of distraction there between you and the film. So I can't right. say that I've really gotten in there and appreciated it as a motion picture. Okay, a couple more thoughts from Nathan. First of all, uh, he has a comment for Seth. He says, imagine Brainy Smurf's voice saying, it depends on if you're talking about Mirage or Archie. Uh, I have no idea what that means, uh, but Nathan says, okay, so you hear Brandy Smurf's voice saying that, and you'll know how 50% of my conversation started from fourth to seventh grade. I was given Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, fifth printing on my 10th birthday, and things have never been the same. By the way, I began as a Mikey, but rapidly oh, yes. turned Raphael alongside adolescence. This is referring back to our discussion of which turtle did you identify with, which one did you inevitably select in the arcade beat 'em up, and uh, you talked. To, you, we talked with you a little bit about this as well. I think we were what all Leonardos, or did you have a different pick? I, I thought we were all Donatellos. Oh, I'm sorry, we were all Donatellos with the staff. Yeah. Yes, yes. Somebody could read into that that we're just like boring nerds, but I, <laughs> I think that the real issue is that the bow staff is longer than the other weapons. We like our personal space, and uh, yeah. and, and the staff helps to. Uh, um, uh, make sure that that personal stay, space is present, both uh, on either side of our body and also above our bodies. Uh, finally, just to mention a few comments Nathan makes about dog names. First off, he says that he meant to write in after the Ark of the Covenant episodes because he has a dog named Ichabod. And apparently there is an origin story in the Hebrew Bible for the name Ichabod. It's in the book of Second Samuel, where a woman gives birth to a child after she learns that her husband and her father-in-law have both been killed and the Ark of the Covenant has been stolen by the Philistines. And she names the baby Ichabod, which which literally means something like no glory or where's the glory. And Nathan says in this context, it could be taken to mean God has abandoned us, which Nathan finds funny as a dog's name. And I agree. (laughs) That is an amusing thing to consider as the name of a dog. Uh, But then Nathan also says, by the way, Joe, my stepdog is named Brody, a fact I previously found embarrassing. But since rewatching Jaws last summer, I've been introducing him as Chief Brody. Not too good, Mm -hmm. is it? I, got I think that, that sounds good. That yeah. sounds good. Uh, uh, I think he's making a not too good as a chief reference. Oh yes, yes. But as but taking it literally, I would say that that's a good dog name. Uh, oh yeah. You know, I think with dogs and cats, you you shouldn't name your animals things like Edward. Um, but the Brody <laughs> feels appropriate. Oh yeah, I, I don't know what the problem originally with Brody would have been, but uh, but Chief Brody is a great name for a dog, uh, especially since I'm assuming you're associating it with the Chief Brody in the movie. 
played by Roy Scheider, who is who is a lovable protagonist, versus the Chief Brody in the book, who is as nasty and detestable as every other character in the book. I do not recommend reading Jaws. Uh, yeah, Roy Scheider, though, that would not be a good name for a dog. But Brody, <laughs> good name for a dog. Quint, good name for a dog. Hooper, oh, yeah. good name for a dog. Vaughn, Meadows, Hendrix. Yeah. Really, these are all just dog names. Uh, Vaughn, this cast. is my dog, yeah. Vaughn. I named him after the mayor of Amity who wants to keep the beaches <laughs> open. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but no, that is actually a good description of, of my dog's personality. I'm sure most dogs' personality. You know, whatever dangers there are, they want to keep the beaches open. That's true. That's, that's the, the, the dog uh, personality, right? Anyway, Nathan says, thank you sincerely for the years of service. Loyal listener, Nathan. Okay, uh, are we going to wrap it up there? Yeah, we have, we have a lot to chew on there. Some great uh, suggestions for our different uh, episode types. And hey, keep it coming. If anyone out there has some feedback on recent episodes of uh, Core Stuff to Blow Your Mind episodes, Artifact, Monster Fact, Weird House Cinema, or even other listener mail episodes, just write in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, Listener Mail publishes every Monday. That's where you can find it in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audience producer Seth Nicholas Johnson. Once again, if you want to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other to suggest a topic for the future or just to say hi, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.